our first lesson for this, our Reformation Sunday, comes from Revelation chapter 14, verses 6 and 7. Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The second lesson for this Reformation Sunday comes to us from the book of Romans, chapter 3, verses 19 through 28. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. There is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he has passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. This is the word of the Lord. O Lord, give us lips to sing thy glory, tongues thy mercy to proclaim, throats that shout the hope that fills us, mouths to speak thy holy name. Amen. Our text for this morning's message as we celebrate Reformation Sunday is from Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. Jesus says, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father who is in heaven. This is our text. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, who wrote the following words? We live on earth for no other purpose than to be helpful to others. Otherwise, it would be best for God to take away our breath and let us die as soon as we are baptized and have begun to believe. But he lets us live here in order that 
we may lead other people to believe, doing for them what he has done for us. Well, who wrote those words? Well, if you guess Martin Luther, then you're smarter than a fifth grader, or you were dutiful in reading the October newsletter where a portion of this message that I'm sharing with you this morning was shared. Martin Luther wrote many statements throughout his lifetime that urged Christians to witness of Christ, to witness of Christ to their family, to their friends, to the community, and yes, even to the ends of the earth. Martin Luther's name is not usually listed among the great missionaries of the Christian church. I mean, he never traveled to another country as a missionary. He didn't start a mission society. And yet his contributions to the missionary enterprise are immeasurable. How so? Well, it was Martin Luther who rediscovered the gospel message that we are saved by God's grace alone through faith in Jesus Christ. It was he who emphasized that the gospel is connected directly to Christ who died on the cross for the sins of all people and then rose from the dead promising everlasting life to all freely given to them in Christ. It's this gospel message that is the power of God into the salvation of everyone who believes. And it was Luther who wrote Luther's small catechism a book that most, if not all of us sitting here and who are watching us on, on Facebook Live have probably studied in the course of your lifetime. But he wrote, the, he wrote his small catechism, so as he says in his own words, the heathen who would want to be Christians are taught and guided in what they should believe, know, do, and leave undone according to the Christian faith. And since Luther's writing of the small catechism his catechism has been translated into numerous languages, and so people around the world are learning about the basic teachings of the Christian faith. During his lifetime, Martin Luther published 350 works. He wrote 3,000 letters, and he directly or indirectly taught approximately 16,000 theological students at the University of Wittenberg between 1520 and 1560. And one-third of all of those students came from other lands. This means that no fewer than 5,000 students who had learned from Luther's sermons and writings and lectures and from his successors, that they went back to their homeland. And some of them went even to the ends of the earth, so to speak. And they shared Luther's deep desire that all should be brought to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And do you realize that Luther wrote at least 35 hymns. And these hymns, they contribute or they communicate the good news. Luther's hymns have planted the gospel in the hearts and minds of people all around the, all around the world for the last 500 years. In Luther's hymn, May God Embrace Us with His Grace, we hear of Luther's desire that echoes our first reading for today that the gospel would be proclaimed to all the people so that people of every nation, language, and tribe would know this good news. He writes in that hymn, Let Jesus' healing power be revealed in richest measure, converting every nation, and may people everywhere be one to love and praise you truly. It was Luther's German translation of the Bible 
that did much to evangelize the spiritually lost. And thanks to Luther's translation of the German Bible, the Apostle Paul's longing as pointed out in 2 Thessalonians 3.1 that the word of the Lord might spread quickly and become known in its splendor became a reality not only in Germany but throughout Europe where Bible translations were made with reference to Luther's German translation. And so yes, Martin Luther, the reformer, was one who took the Lord's word seriously when Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Now, no doubt there were times in Luther's life that he was tempted to hide his light under the bushel, to withdraw back to the seclusion of the monastic life, to hide behind the walls, so to speak. I mean, he was vilified by his opposition. He was excommunicated by the Roman Catholic Pope. He was ordered to recant his teachings by King Charles V. And when he refused to do so, the king put a bounty upon his head. In a letter that Luther wrote to Staupitz, his father confessor, in 1519, Luther said, I long to be quiet, but I am driven into the middle of the storm. In addition to the external attacks from his opponents that were tempting Luther to hide his light, the light of Christ, under a bushel, Martin Luther was tormented by his sin. He was ashamed of his life. He suffered from depression. He was depressed by his conduct and his sinful thoughts. He realized that he was a sinful man unworthy of the grace and forgiveness of God, but thankful for that very grace. But he would often wonder, what kind of light of Christ am I? What propelled Luther into the world, into the middle of the storm, as he said, every time that he was tempted to withdraw, what caused his light to shine brightly was the fact that Martin Luther daily stood at the foot of Christ's cross and he basked in the light of his Savior's love and forgiveness. The baptismal font assured Luther that God had ignited the light of faith in his heart. And on numerous occasions, Luther had his eyes and his heart directed to the empty tomb of Jesus. And as he did so, as he focused on Christ's death and resurrection, he experienced a profound sense of peace and contentment, and joy, and hope. Not the fear. Not the fear of the wrathful God that he had been taught all of his life within the Roman Catholic Church. And he wanted other people to know this peace and contentment and joy and hope that is found in God's grace alone through faith in Jesus Christ. And so he worked with all of his heart and might to be a light, be Christ's light in this world. You are the light of the world, says our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the true light of the world. I mean, no light was shining in our hearts when we were conceived and born in sin. But in holy baptism, God's Holy Spirit ignited the light of faith in our heart, and we immediately began to become lights. We were lights. We are lights, Christ's lights in this world. Jesus says to you, and he says to me, you are the light of the world. This is a statement of fact. 
That is what you are. Not what you were, not what you will be, but you are the light of the world by virtue of the Lord's calling. It was Jesus who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Or as St. Paul says, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. And again, St. Paul writes, but you brothers, and I'll add sisters, are not in darkness. You are all sons and daughters of the light and sons and daughters of the day. And again, St. Paul writes, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. A woman was sitting in her car at a busy intersection. The traffic light had changed to green, but the car in front of her did not move. And the woman, well, she honked her horn. Well, the car in front of her still did not move. Well, in anger, she slammed her fist on the, on the steering wheel and shouted to no one else in the car, Get moving! And still there was no movement. The car had stalled. She honked her horn again. And she honked it again. And then she looked in her side mirror and, and she saw that the lane beside her was open. And so she swerved her car into the right lane. And as she passed the guy, she made a rude gesture at him and then cut back in front of him to let, her, let the person know that she was angry at him. And she began to speed away. And suddenly the blast of a siren and flashing light stopped her heart. Rearing its ugly head in her rearview mirror was a police car. She was pulled over, and so she rolled her car over to the side. She rolled down her window, and as the police officer approached the car, his hand was on his holster, and he commanded, Get out of the car and hit the ground with your hands behind your back. Well, the woman was stunned, and the officer repeated the command, this time with a little bit more bite to his bark. And she opened the door, and immediately she got down on the ground, and her hands were then placed behind her. And the policeman came up behind her, and he handcuffed her, and he lifted her up to her feet, and he escorted her to the back of the, the back seat of his cruiser, and she was taken to the police station. And when she got to the police station, she was fingerprinted, and she had her photo taken, and she was placed in a holding cell. She couldn't believe what was happening to her. And after a couple of anxious hours, she heard the clank of the jail doors, and the arresting officer stood before her, and he said, I have to apologize to you. I made an error in judgment. I saw, I saw you sit in your car. I heard you honk your horn, not once, but twice, and not twice, but three times, and I, I saw that you were visibly upset. I saw that you banged your fist on the, on the steering wheel, and I saw you pass by the car, and I saw you flip the, the driver of the bird, and you cut back in front of him. And as I watched, as I watched you, I was confused. I was confused, for you see, your car's license says, choose life. And your two bumper stickers on the back of your car say, follow me to Sunday school, and what would Jesus do? And I saw a metallic Christian fish symbol on the bumper of your car, and I concluded, surely this car must be stolen. Yes, this woman certainly wasn't living as a child of the light, at that moment on that particular day, was she? And I know it's an extreme example. And surely none of us would ever behave like that in like manner if we were found ourselves stuck behind someone stalled at an intersection, would we? 
But I'm certain that we would all confess that our lives do not always reflect the light of God, the light of Christ. Do we not often find ourselves hiding the light of Christ under our own bushel? Those who know us quite well can certainly point to the hypocrisy in our lives. As I evaluate my own life, I see that the Lord has ignited the light of life in, in my life, in my heart, when I was baptized. But the light has not always shone brightly in my life. In fact, I kind of compare it to that of a dimmer switch. You know the dimmer switch where you can turn the light up high or, or down? I feel like sometimes that's how I live out my Christian life. Sometimes the light is bright and I turn it up and the light of Christ radiates and there's other times where I seem to turn it down for one reason or another and it's not glowing very much, if at all. I mean, I know better than anyone that there have been occasions when anger in my heart has smothered love. Where mean, a mean word has replaced a good word. Where my rudeness has ups usurped my understanding where impatience has asphyxiated my patience where indifference has replaced compassion where my arrogance has preempted my humility and where selfishness has strangled generosity and at such times I too have wondered like Martin Luther what kind of light of Christ am I can you relate? Jesus is the light of the world. This is what he has told us. I am the light of the world, he says. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And as to the light of the world, Jesus embraced darkness. The light of the world was indeed engulfed in darkness on the cross, even as darkness enveloped the whole earth, and, and he was shrouded in the darkness of death. On that Friday afternoon, it appeared as though the light of the world had been extinguished forever. But when the rising of the morning sun on that first Easter Sunday, the light of the world rose from the dead. And the darkness of sin and death were dispelled. And the light of Christ shone then and continues to shine evermore. And today and tomorrow, and into the future, you and I bask in the sunshine of Christ's love and forgiveness. We live with the daily assurance that even as we have those moments and days when our light is hidden under a bushel, or when we seem to turn the dimmer switch of the light down a little bit, that we are forgiven of our sin. And we live with the assurance of God's forgiveness and that we receive from our baptism day by day. And we hear and we receive Christ's forgiveness when we receive his body and blood in the Lord's Supper. Yes, we celebrate the Reformation Day because we confess what Luther confessed. That although we're sinners, we're saved by God's grace alone through faith in Jesus Christ. Your sins my sins are forgiven because of Christ. Eternal life belongs to you and me. So promises the light of the world, Jesus Christ. 
And when you and I close our eyes and enter the darkness called death, we will just as quickly see the light. We'll just as quickly see the light Jesus Christ shining in all of his heavenly glory and majesty as he ushers us into heaven. And what a glorious day that will be. But until then, we continue to bask in the light of Christ's love day by day. And we remain his lights in the world. The story is told of a six-year-old boy who was going to be in a Sunday school Christmas program. His mother was fearful that he would forget his lines, and so she sat in the front row of the church. And sure enough, as the boy stood up to speak his lines, he, he went blank. He couldn't remember his lines, even though he had worked so hard to memorize them. And his mother began to do sign language, hoping that that would somehow trigger his memory, but it was still blank. And so the mother began to whisper silently the line to him, mouthing it to him, but his mind was still blank. And after what seemed to be an eternity, she whispered just loud enough for her son to hear, I am the light of the world. And her son heard her words, and he stood erect before the microphone, and with a confident, clear voice, he said, My mother is the light of the world. We know that Jesus is par excellence, the light to the world. But truth be told, that mother is the light of the world to her son. That mother is the one who brought her son to the baptismal font. That mother is the one who reads her son Bible stories. That mother is the one who gets him dressed to attend Sunday school and worship services. That mother is the one who prays for her son and teaches her son to pray. That mother is the one who contributes to the work of the church so that not only her son can grow in his faith and life, but so that future generations might be able to do so as well. Yes, this mother is the light of Christ to her son. Martin Luther was a light too as he pointed his wife Katie and their children and his students and many other people, including you and me, to Christ's cross and empty tomb. And truth be told, I'm speaking to people this morning who are also the light of the world, for you have the light of Christ shining in and through you. And isn't it wonderful, or wouldn't it be wonderful for someone to say of you, my papa or my nana is my light? Or my mom and my dad, they're the light of Christ to me. Or wouldn't it be wonderful to have a child say to you, you are the light, my light. Or wouldn't it be brother good to hear a brother or sister say, you are the light of Christ to me. Or a friend to say, you are the light of Christ to me. Or a neighbor or co-worker to say, you are the light of Christ to me. And wouldn't it be wonderful to have the Creston community say, St. James is the light of Christ to me. Yes, wherever you are, and whatever your station in life, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father and your Savior who is in heaven. For you see, you are the light of the world. Amen. I close with a slightly adapted prayer of Martin Luther's where he wrote and we pray. Dear Father, we pray 
give us your word that the gospel may be sincerely preached throughout the world and that it may be received by faith and may work and live in us that we may be your light in this world. Amen. And now may the peace of God which surpasses all our understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.